Hello and welcome to the Hodges Hall podcast, coming to you from the basement of Hodges Hall, the home of LSU student media. I'm Zoyce Manners, a producer at Tiger TV. I'm Chris Calderera, and I'm tired of college football. So LSU traveled to College Station this past weekend and played in the highest scoring game in college football history. Texas A&M won 74-72 in seven overtimes, and suffice it to say, it was a controversial result. Questions surrounding whether or not LSU should have won the game in regulation, or maybe in the first overtime. Poor refereeing decisions. And there are there are like five or so calls that really caught the ire of LSU fans. Yeah, so, I mean, credit to AM for winning the game one time, and uh, credit to LSU for winning the game <laughs> Like four times. There were lots of questionable calls in this game. Uh, questionable calls that down the stretch that directly impacted the the, uh, the, outcome. the outcome of the game. Yeah. So, like three of the calls that LSU, you know, is mad about is you know if it goes LSU's way, the game is over. LSU wins. It's not a situation where you know it happens in the second quarter and like oh you don't know what would have happened afterward. It would have been you know either LSU kneels the ball and it's over, or the clock is at zeros and the game is over. So that's kind of. Why I think, and the fact that it happened down the stretch, basically in a row, was uh, something that angered the Tiger faithful. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, so look, dissecting so, the game. Do you want to run through the the plays or yeah, you you, the controversial play? Yes. So, so the first yeah, controversial play is the interception. So forty six seconds left. Kellen Mond drops back, quarterback for A and M, fumbles the ball, then picks it up and throws a pass uh, under pressure. It gets intercepted by Grant Delpit, but after review, his knee was on the ground while he had the ball. So that correctly, I think they called it. Yeah, that's correct. It, correct. Think, he yeah. was down, and they had the ten second runoff, and that was fine. But you know, in the moment, you know, I want to say this first. If we had recorded this podcast Saturday night or Sunday morning, I think this would have been a very different Yeah, podcast. no, it definitely would have been. Uh, definitely would have been. Because I might not have been so, you know, I wouldn't have I was, probably given up this place. So I was easily. definitely ready to, I was telling my dad that LSU should just not go to a bowl game. We should just, like, boycott the NCAA. I mean, okay. Um, well, yeah, NAIA football for the rest of the... Uh, we could dominate. The second play is on Spike. fourth, and no, no, on fourth and 22. According to ESPN, it was fourth oh, and 22. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was actually fourth and 18. So on the TV broadcast, it looked as if the wide receiver was short by like half a yard. Yeah, and a good bit. I, I was confused as to why they didn't review it. But this is totally the ESPN graphic yeah. department's fault. Because it was fourth and 18 in reality. And they had it down as fourth and 22. So the yellow marker was four yards further down the field. That superimposed line was right. incorrect. I know they like we're, we're used to hearing you know the, the line is unofficial. Not four yards unofficial. Right, yeah. Usually that, it's that, kind that, of that was a good bit unofficial, you know. Yeah. So the third... There's two controversies surrounding the spike. The first is, did they actually get it off in time? So when they originally spiked it, the clock was at zero seconds after that 22-yard completion to get that first down on fourth down. What did you think about that? So it's interesting because I've seen some, some something circulate through social media, that rule revision where it says the bare minimum of time to call it, to be able to call two plays is three seconds left on the clock. Right, so I saw that as well. I saw both where it was that rule revision and also where if it's a first down with a running clock in three seconds, you don't have enough time to spike and get right. a play. So I've seen both. I've seen I've seen the controversy things. definitely lies on when he like when the ball is snapped. What time is it? And I think it's two. I think he snaps it with two seconds. I I really looking at this. I, I've looked at this really intensely here, and I'm just not seeing how he had time to do. This. I will say that the ball hit the ground with one second left still yes. on the clock. But if it's kind of like a situation where in basketball, if you have 0.3 seconds left, you can't catch and shoot. You have to tip it in, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the, it's physically impossible for a person to catch the ball and throw it. Yeah. And I think in football, the equivalent is p- snapping the ball, putting it above your head, and throwing it down because that's what you have to do to spike it. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think that's a. I, I agree with this. This is a, this is a very lax thing in college football where they let you just kind of shove it. Down. You, yeah, you can totally snap and just throw it on the yeah, ground. I yeah, I think you definitely have to pull it over your head. I'm sure. I, I will say, I'm sure LSU in the past has spiked it. By oh, not I'm sure it over too. I think uh, this is a rule that, for instances like this, I think that's a rule you should start enforcing. I'm not more. sure it's. Uh, I'm not sure it's reviewable though. No, no, that something like that isn't reviewable. But go ahead and talk about the other controversy with this play. So yeah, so do we agree that the referees got this right? Because I'm not. I'm. I don't it's think tough. they did. It's a tough call. I I'm, because I don't think they did either. I well. And it's a thing where, you know, it's not like a play mid-third quarter where it's like, well, we got hosed on this play in the third quarter. We don't know what would have happened next, you know. But this is like, if they get this play right, it's over. Triple zeros on the clock. Well, in my opinion. So what does that really mean? You know, if they get this play right, in my opinion, the game is over. LSU wins. And we've seen an LSU team spike a ball with one second left and have the game end. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like that, we have experience with this not going our way. And even one second trying to get a play off and doesn't get off. Yeah, against Auburn. And it's just, it's it's not going our way twice. And then to see it go the way of our opponent, it's not really. That's another controversy on this exact same play was the legality of the formation. Was it a legal formation? I've seen, I've seen refs. Say it was both legal and it was illegal. I've seen the same. Anum had four receivers on the right side. It looked as if there were too many men in the backfield. Looked as if because you're yeah, only you allowed. Have to have, yeah, you have to have seven on the line of scrimmage, I think. So right, you're, right, so least. you're only allowed four in the backfield. Yes. It looked as if they had five, uh-huh. or maybe even six with. Uh, the tricky with thing the about receivers. this is it's just all determined on where the. I, I see the the line of scrimmage isn't even really set. Well, because like so, like this the, yeah. the, the scrimmage guy is still walking when they snap the ball here. Which yeah, I mean doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I'm just saying with the with the you know it's bang bang everything's moving right. very quickly. I could see how the refs would miss this. Something else that I saw is uh, a lot of people thought if this was called a penalty, it's a 10-second runoff. It is a 10-second runoff. It's not. No, 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 it's not. It's actually a live ball foul, which would mean that um, they get one free play. It's a five-yard penalty, and they get one play after. Was the clock? Does the clock start then on the on the referee's signal? Yes. Well, no, no. Or does it start when the ball is snapped? I think that's, so. Because if it starts on the referee's right. no, signal, then they don't I think, I think they it would have, have to start. On the signal because the okay. game so can then end they that way, so then they not. would not they would not get the or is it or is it like a false start like you know how when you well, do a, fa- a false with a, start with a running clock though with a running clock false start is a ten second runoff are you sure about that yes. because it's, if it's a running clock and they have no way to stop the clock okay because well. the reason why the uh, like the, when they reviewed the play where he threw the interception air quotes here and his knee was on the ground they had no way to stop the clock and it was a ten second runoff so if they don't have a way to stop the clock and for some reason the clock stops like a review or a penalty they have to take a 10 second runoff off or you can use a timeout in that situation okay i mean like i've seen like one thing i read one referee did say it's a live ball 5 yard foul and it wouldn't have caused the runoff but i've also seen referees say it is a 10 second runoff in this particular case I think I think here is it's the same situation as um, this. This goes the either spike way. Call. Yeah. This goes either way. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's just unfortunate that both things both went A and M's way. That's the fit. That's the right. Well, and so did this one. First overtime pass to Jay Sternberger, who is the, yes. uh, the Texas A and M uh, tight end. Ellis, if A and M needs a touchdown to, uh, or sorry, A and M needs a field goal, just a field goal to uh, to keep this game alive. Uh, it looked as if he caught the pass from Kellen Mond. It took two steps, made a football move, and Grant Delpit hit it out. And it was a fumble recovered immediately by Greedy Williams. And if you look at the the video, it, he slams the ground because he thought he lost the game for his yeah. team. And they did not even review this play; they called it incomplete on the field. Yeah. So that, see, and that, that this is this is I think the biggest gripe LSU has. Well, and therein lies like my biggest gripe too is like as a referee, 
you have to call that a fumble on the field just so you can take it to replay. You might be wrong on the fumble call, but it, if you call it incomplete, right. there's on, no way to take it in. Because there was a clear – A&M had a uh, pick six overturn in this one where it was so obviously not a catch, but right. they let it play anyway because, because you can go after the fact yeah, and look at it. Exactly. But you always have to err on the side of uh, you know letting the game play on. But the fact they did not even review this yeah. was uh, – was, Well, can it be reviewed if yeah, it's it incomplete be, on no, the field? No, it can be reviewed. It can be See, reviewed because the there's an immediate recovery. If there's an immediate recovery, if there's no immediate recovery, then the other team would. Uh, but would the take thing over is, the like, he's part. blowing the whistle. The ball's dead. I, I was just assuming. No, no, if there if there is an immediate recovery, because there was by by Greedy Williams. Yeah, I mean, it would, it it would have been right LSU's ball. LSU would have won. Yeah, <laughs> I was just assuming that. I was trying to be rational and saying, well, maybe the it's the same they situation didn't... where if a guy is called down, but he's not down, and there is an immediate recovery then it counts as if, you know, if they go and review it, they can review that. I so was they just could trying to this. give the refs some, some, some no. credit here. I mean, um, because... I think the situation where whatever was called on the field might have been what stood. But I, I still think in review, I still think that he took two steps and moved the ball from his right side to his left side away from Delpit. Well, see, so now that you're saying that they can review it... They can review why it. Why didn't they? Because they reviewed the knee down. By that same logic, like... I mean, this is the game-ending play here. If it's if it's so, a this fumble. is this is another play where if the referees, in my judgment, get it right, LSU wins. It's over. First overtime. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no. I mean, this is the game here. If if this is called the, LSU's way, the game listen, is over. And I think you know we are obviously both LSU students and LSU fans, and so we are obviously disappointed with the result of the game. But you know, if it was one call, you know, maybe it's different. The fact that it was the, it was kind of you know several calls, three calls down the stretch that really. Sh- May, or there's a significant argument that it could have gone a different way is is odd. The, the last one is the pa- the, uh, the pass interference. This is, this is a really bad one too. I it, think it wasn't a pass interference in my opinion, but and this was a two point conversion where A and M then on the subsequent retry uh, after a false start I should mention on them so they got pu- get pushed back to about the six they scored a two point conversion won the game that was a seventy four. Uh, I don't think this was pass interference, but ultimately, you know, Auburn fans are going to say, well, LSU got away with some pass interference against them and got some helpful pass interference calls. So ultimately, when it comes down to pass interference, even though this was crunch time and stuff, uh, I mean, pass interference is going to go either way. Yeah. I don't think it was the right call. But no, it's, it's just hand-checking, honestly. And I, what I hate about this, too, is the unsportsmanlike after the fact. The ref got a little, the ref got yeah. to taunt, the ref taunted uh, Greedy Williams yeah, after just, he threw the hat. It's one of those things, it's yeah. like, look, the, the emotions are running high, it's the seventh overtime, everyone's tired. Like, it's like you got to let him play a little right, bit. Right, come on. And, you know, there's going to be. It was the same ref who threw both penalties because he didn't have a flag to throw the second one. There's going to be frustration from LSU's perspective at, at the way this game's going. I, I'm not saying he should take anything from Greedy Williams. I'm just saying, I mean, it's definitely explainable to why uh, Greedy acted the way he did. And, I mean, it didn't really affect that, – that penalty didn't really affect the grand scheme of things because uh, A&M, you know, had right. a false start right yes. after. But uh, so I'm just saying, I don't like, it does, it's, it's, it's a bad look. Um, so here's what I want to say is I think LSU should have won the game mm-hmm. based on the rules of college football. Yes. But I think an argument can be made that they didn't deserve to win. The yeah. offensive line play was bad. There was a chance late for LSU to get a, uh, a first down and seal the deal before A&M's drive, and that would have, you know, none of the controversial plays would have happened if LSU got a first down there. And then in the third overtime, after A&M got, or was the third overtime or fourth overtime, A&M kicked a field goal, and then LSU had a chance to score a touchdown, and so they, the it was some cowardly, cowardly play calling, too scared, to, too scared to lose. They were playing not to lose rather than to win. And, and every time you play that way, you always lose. Right. It seems that way. And, you know, if you're giving away with, you know, and also the one second where A&M throws a 33-yard touchdown or whatever it was, 20-yard touchdown, with one second left, legitimate second or not, 
if you're DBU, you can't give up a 20-yard yeah. touchdown at the end of the game. So I think, you know, A&M, uh, A&M got a win, and LSU really should be more mad at themselves for not sealing the deal than, than the referees. Because there were many chances to not even have the referees be in a situation to impact the game. I, and I I've completely al- agree. I've always been a fan of, you know, not letting – the, not letting a situation arise where you can be screwed over by yeah, an official. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with all this. Uh, and that's something that, you know, every coach, my dad said it, like, you never want to let the game be decided by the referee. Like, you got to you, decide it you yourself. Have, you have to change that. Right. And, and I mean, you look at it, LSU's def- defense played really poorly in the first half. You know, second, special teams muff up right. Second half, with LSU dominated. Yeah. Really, LSU dominated the second half. Yeah. First um, half was struggling, but then again, like you said, so we have the muff, muff punt. You can't, you can't let that happen. And then, and then LSU had they literally had the chance to ice the game themselves with a first or something down. like that. Yeah, yeah, and they couldn't pick it up. Right. I mean, a lot of quarterback runs in this game. Yeah, well, scared to run out of the shotgun, and you know. Was, oh look, hey, Joe Burrow, that's a really gritty performance from him. I, I think it's a gritty performance. All I mean, I think this team has a lot to be proud of, uh, with regards I will to that say game. It's easier to. Be happy, you know, live with the result of the game when LSU's already been ranked number 10 in the CFP and all but secured a New Year's Six Bowl berth. I think the committee might have looked at this game as like, what's the, clo- what's the closest we can, you know, closest to a win without being a win? How can we look at this game in that way? You know what I mean? Um, no, I it, but the committee I, I, does I love LSU. Yeah. There's some serious LSU love. Well, and I think, I think strength of schedule has a lot to do with it. And then obviously, like you said, this game, I mean, it's a 70... 70- it's a seventy point seven overtime game here. Yeah, we've we've seen LSU get lot the in the past get some slack with overtime losses. You know. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand seven, mm-hmm. good year. But yeah, so I don't know. I I think it was. I think there's a, there's a lot of performances to be proud of Joe Burrow. You know. I mean, obviously, well, uh, you know, stats get inflated when you go to overtime. Cause yeah, you're they sta- do. Because you're start. It's like a penalty shootout. You're starting twenty five yards away, and you know you're gonna rack up the touchdowns. You know, it's just going to look ridiculous at the end, and that's what it looks like. Both defenses are gassed too. You know, they've been on the field, uh, and they, they're they're defending from the from the twenty five. You know, it's like it, th- these things are just going to happen. You know, it's it, they, like you said, things are going to get inflated over time. That's just a, a, a fact of the, a fact of life here. Some controversy after the game: uh, Steve yeah. Cragthorpe and Jimbo Fisher's uh, nephew, hardcore nepotism, getting a GA position at Texas A and M, but he pushed Steve Cragthorpe, who has. Uh, a pacemaker, a pacemaker in his body, and so, and then Kevin Falk and John Battle both punched uh, Cole Fisher. Yeah, and you know it's kind of a situation where SEC wanted a rivalry here. I think they've got it, at least from the A and M standpoint. Dude, and you know what? And, and like, and and Cole Fisher was like, I didn't punch the dude. I only pushed him. You know, Steve hard, a hard shove, dude. Steve Steve Cragthorpe suffering from Parkinson's. I don't know who Cole Fisher thinks he is doing that to uh, to a guy who used to work at A and M. First off, shout out to Kevin Falk. I mean, just stepping in. There's a lot of emotions going on. A lot of emotions and were running. I don't high. think he knew that there was a pacemaker. Right. No. Yeah. But um, he hasn't exactly gone out of his way to apologize. At least anything that I've seen. Yeah. A&M's been like, well, we're reviewing the situation. It's been like that since Saturday. But you know, this just post-game melee, I suppose. Yeah. Emotions are running high. Yeah. Um, but I do think he went to his uncle afterward. It looked like he went to yeah, his uncle he afterward. Yeah. the story. And only mentioned the fact that he got punched yeah. by a guy instead of you know the fact that I really think he was the instigator of yeah. it. Yeah. It's one, and look, here's the thing. I'm not a big controversy guy, but it really, it really strikes me as odd as, you know, commentators kept talking about how they wanted this to be a rivalry, you know. I'm just saying it's weird. And now all of a sudden it's a rivalry because of the madness at the end of the game. Somebody on Twitter today said uh, LSU's only rival is uh, Tulane. Oh, wow. 
I sure. kind of agree. And you know what? They're bowling. Kind of they're going bowling. They're going bowling, baby. Every, you know, every every uh, every FBS school in Louisiana is bowl eligible this year. UL Monroe, Tulane, ULL, LSU. It's a fantastic accomplishment. It really is. Yeah. Am I missing a school? La Tech. La Tech. Yep. La Tech's the, I, I knew I was forgetting yeah, somebody. Yeah. Shout out to the Bulldogs up in Ruston. Rustin. Carl Malone. Yeah. His uh, people. Good for Tulane. I want Tulane to be good. I'd like to see that rivalry renewed. Because we'll never see it, but yeah, I'd like. No, for it at to some happen. point, if Tulane gets better, I don't know. It's, go, it's going to be a some, long they time. Should, they said LSU and Tulane should play the Thanksgiving Day, their Thanksgiving weekend game for the rag again. The the, the good old Tiger rag. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see Tulane resurge one day, but I, I I don't think it's in the near future. I don't know. I'm not I'm not too confident. We'll see. As expected, the this conversation kind of took up a lot of podcast time. You know, we don't really have a game to talk about next week. There's nothing. To, I mean. But I guess we can talk about the fact that LSU only ranked at number 10 in the college football playoff. Uh, I should say only dropped to number 10. They're basically in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah, which, like, everyone, including myself, like I was saying, wow, chances that New Year's Six are over with. Looking at the ranking, I'm like, I don't know how anybody can have any complaints. Looking at the rest of the, the teams, how they can complain that LSU is at number 10. Because I'll talk, to that, talk about that in a second. But I do think that the fact that LSU lost this game, if LSU's 10-2 and two going into a New Year's Six Bowl game, there's less pressure on them to win. But the fact that they're nine and three, kind of backing into a New Year's Six bowl game, they really got to win this to take any any momentum into the offseason. You got to get ten wins this year. Like it, nine and four looks mediocre. So mediocre. Nine and four looks awful. Considering considering you know what this team is accomplished, how, LSU, how hyped LSU yeah. fans were. You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's it would really be a letdown. You're, you're not really building a good foundation for next season with that kind of performance either. So a, a New Year's Six win, a tenth win for the first time since 2013. I think a lot of good momentum is moving in LSU's direction for next year. LSU finishes top and, ten in the in the country. Yeah, and and a lot of hype was looking made. good for next season. I was I was watching the the Michigan Ohio State game, and they were talking about you know the revenge tour of Michigan. LSU's got got a good shot to do that next year um, with some of the teams they've lost to Florida. Uh, they'll be in Baton Rouge. A&M. A&M will be in Baton Rouge. Alabama, no. Al- they'll lose to Alabama next year. Yeah, but, yeah. A- Alabama's not on the I'm willing to call tour. that one now. I-, I bet Alabama opens as like a, at least a double-digit favorite. And Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa? Sure, yeah, for 14. Sure. Yeah. forgot it was in Tuscaloosa, not going to um, lie. But, so, yeah, but LSU's got the chance to do a lot of special things, but it starts in this bowl game. Right. You have to win the bowl game. Right. You have to. LSU number 10, there's some people complaining about SEC bias, but... I'm looking at these other teams: Washington nine and three, Penn State nine and three, Washington State ten and two, Texas nine and three, Kentucky nine and three. I don't know what your complaint is. I, I have no complaints about 10. this. Uh, I mean, because LSU's not even the highest ranked three loss team. It's Florida. Honestly, I was surprised that LSU came in at number ten, but ultimately, I think it's the right. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm fine with it. If as yeah. as long as LSU's in a spot where they can get into a New Year's Six Bowl, I'm fine. I'm cool. Like that's 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 the bare yeah, okay. minimum for me. Okay. I'm just saying. Well, I'm I think if, if, if for this year, if A&M wins. Oh, sorry, if Texas beats Oklahoma, maybe Texas gets in the top 10 and Oklahoma stays in the top 10. I don't know. That's unfortunate, too. We were going to have a really good discussion about LSU's chances of making it into the playoff. Should yeah, no, If we LSU won this game, the, I, I feel like our podcast would be centered around that. Well, could LSU get into the, into the, into the top four? Yeah, because LSU would probably be sitting at number seven right now still. Yeah, and then uh, Ohio State would be six, and then you would need Oklahoma to lose and Ohio State to lose, and uh, you're in. Because yeah. George is gonna lose. Yeah, I think so too. So, uh, we'll. T- I guess we can talk more about the college football playoff in a later podcast because uh, you know conference championships going forward. Now, uh, we won't be doing this podcast weekly. We'll be doing it on a kind of a need to pod basis. Yes, uh, but we can. I'm sure we will have a college football debate because we usually have that, and with that will be the resurrection of the Christmas film playoff, Thank which God. we discussed. Boy, that that's going to be one one nutty podcast. 
That's going to be a lot of yelling. You're going to have to edit our voices down on that one because it's yeah. going to get amped. And you know what? I'm going to be like, you think you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? I'm totally going to beat you this Just year. I'll preface the entire conversation with uh, his wife's name is Holly, and we'll go from there. Uh, <laughs> trivia time. I'm going to go first because my question's I'm, it's not amazing, but I like it that it is is something you can get, I think, because it's happened in your lifetime. So LSU lost to AM, crying emoji. Uh, so my question is, when's the last time LSU lost in overtime away from home? Kentucky, 2007. You got it. So you even mentioned it today. I was wondering if you would be confused with a, with a game in between. But no, you got it spot on. Woo-woo-woo! The overtime loss in 2007. I will never forget any game I like season. it. I like. I feel like I kind of owed you one after asking you multiple weeks a question where the answer was like 1936. We'll see. You know, now I feel bad because that, those kind of going to be my question to you. Oh, that's fine, because I honestly, I've earned it. with. Well, the, no, 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 that's not fair, BS Now I, I have to you. give you an easy one. No, 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 it's fine. Seriously, I'll still get it. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, so you you actually mentioned that LSU and Texas A&M is now the highest scoring game mm-hmm. in uh, Division One football. Who did they surpass? Okay. Or, yeah, who did they surpass? So I know there were a lot of uh, seven overtime games, in more or less recent memory. The most recent one, I think, was like Buffalo against some team that wears white and gold. Um, might be like Central Michigan or something because they're both in the MAC or Western Michigan. Western Michigan, because Central Michigan is not. So wh- I think maybe Western Michigan and Buffalo um, is one. I know the Houston Nut game, Ole Miss, Arkansas went seven overtimes. I'm going to say, I think because the Buffalo game was like 73 to 67, I want to say it's that. The Buffalo Western Michigan game? So bu- Buffalo Western Michigan was actually so that was a, a game. overtime game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Western Michigan. The, okay. Uh, they beat Western Michigan beat Buffalo seventy one to sixty eight in a seven overtime game. Yes, that actually that might be kind of right here. The way I phrased the question, it's not correct. Okay. Um, so what do you mean surpass? So so you got so you never said scoring your time. No no. Here's the thing. You answered with the FBS team, the next oh. closest FBS team. I said Division one football. Oh wow. FCS. Nice. I, so I had no chance. Yeah, we, Weber State and Portland State, uh, 73-68. The Portland State Pilots, dude. Yeah, October 27th. And Weber State Wildcats? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So and also, just to throw this out here, the unofficial. There has been one game that's higher than any other that I've ever seen, but it's unofficial because it was before. Is the it NCAA Georgia Tech Cumberland? Kept, yes. 222 to nothing. That was regulation too. No yeah. overtimes needed. Holy smokes. October 7th, 1916. <laughs> Man, I, I, you know, if you're if you're Cumberland, well, you know, I think back then the rankings were done based off of the point differential, so running up the score made sense. Yeah, yeah, it did clearly. Um, there was there was some <laughs> method to that madness. Um, if you're Cumberland, man, how do you just not you know kill I, your football? I program think they had. I think it was something where like, uh, I think down. an actual judge implored them to go play the game against their will, because Cumberland. Like, you have to know Cumberland uh, was not gonna do nothing. Yeah, but dude, twenty-two to not two hundred. I'm sorry. 222 to nothing. That, I mean, you got to do something more than that. Yeah. That's a classic, man. I mean, are you even playing the same sport? Like, what are you doing? I, 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 there's like, are they playing field hockey and, and Georgia Tech was, was playing football? Like, what was going on out here? I don't, don't know. Don't sleep, on the, don't sleep on field hockey, man. Joyce is a, a member of the club field hockey team. <laughs> that is, that is a, oh, good absolutely luck. false. Good luck on, uh, oh, yeah, to, to the club soccer team, though. They're heading to uh, Florida, is it? Close. Just Foley, to, Alabama. Foley, Alabama. I knew it was something with an F um, to compete in nationals. So, congrats on that. Good luck. Thanks, man. This podcast probably come out. We've probably already played a game when this thing comes out, depending on when it does, because we start our first game tomorrow. Thursday. So we leave. We leave. So yeah, tomorrow Thursday. So we're co- dating this, recording this on Wednesday. Wow. There we go. We leave tonight. Good luck, man. 
Uh, that's going to wrap it up, for, though, for, uh, for this regular season and, and just today. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Toys Manners. And myself at Twitter at Calderero. That's it from us. Like I said earlier, we'll be back at some point in the not-too-distant future when we have things to talk about. See you then.